we're gonna hit you with the bars real quick Hey, quarantine life, but my flow's still sick If I had a mate, I'd have a make you lemonade And I don't need to get laid, so don't be afraid Girl, I get paid, but I'm in pain Kinda like Wayne, first name Bruce Where the hell's I made with a goddamn juice? Every day's the same, deja vu Bring in the wine, yeah, bring in the zan Pump up my songs, yeah, let's do a dance You the kind of girl that made me cancel my plans You the only girl I let a pay for only fans Driving Suicide Logs episode, I think this is 292, if this is the order. Yeah, I think I put everything else up, and this is this is it. This is uh, this is me, your host, Marconi. Uh, we got a very special guest. Uh, it, it's Jared. It's Jared Camacho. He's, uh, he's big. He's big in the, not like physically, but like big in the comedy <laughs> world. He's, he's working his way up the ranks. I follow his career. One of the people not even trying to suck dick. I follow you. Like, I'm curious on your journey. Like, I, I'm really interested in watching it and, like, the process from, like, when I first met you until now. Um, I listen to your podcast. Uh, and overall, I just think you have a – I think you're very knowledgeable. And, and I think my goal for this episode is to learn something and take something away that um, I'll take for the rest of my life and learn from it. I don't know. Holy shit, man. That's a hell of an I intro. I, I could return it. <laughs> I appreciate that, dude. Wow. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's it's a real pleasure to be on the Suicide Logs podcast. Been listening for a while. I mean, you're one of the first guys I met when we, when well, when I started doing comedy and uh, started going to your show, the America's Next Top Comedian. Yep. ANTC. Yeah, man. So, uh, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, man. It's uh. Do you have any goals? Do you have something? Do you want to figure out this fucking this episode? Ooh, that's an interesting. That's a good question. I feel goals. like I feel like just what you do for work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll let you know after. I'll let you Beautiful. know after. Um, that's it. That's your only goal, like to get to know me more. I feel like I feel like you're kind of a smarter guy. That y- you seem like the kind of person you have somebody figured out before you really talk to them. Like I feel like you already know what you're dealing with when it comes to dealing with me. Interesting. Wow. Again, thank you. That's maybe I'm maybe I'm giving you too much credit. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I, I definitely don't think I'm stupid. Um, I uh, first of all, yeah, no, thank you. That's like you've just been showering me with compliments so far. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, I you know I I run a podcast called Camacho Cast, and originally it was so. Maybe I'll start here. Uh, before the pandemic, I was an actor. I was a stage actor, and that was what I did professionally. I, I was able to pay all my bills through acting. And uh, when the pandemic happened, obviously, all of the live theater stuff ended. And so I needed to find some sort of outlet creatively. And so I started a podcast, and what was really cool was that I knew a bunch of people in different like parts of the business. I knew DJs. I knew musicians. I knew other actors. I knew some stand-up comedians. And so I would interview them. And uh, I really just enjoyed having conversations with other creative people because, to be honest, man, I never really saw myself as someone who's uh, creative, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm good at mimicking other people and then spinning it with my own thing. But I had met people uh, who I could just feel like could generate brilliant ideas out of nowhere. And I was like, how do you do that? I don't ever feel like I had that um, ability. But I could watch like you do something and then go like, oh, I really love this, this, and this. I want to add that into this other thing that I'm working on. That's mm-hmm. always kind of been my kind of creative mm-hmm. um, skill. 
would you say like like imp- improv would be like a challenge for you things like that because like, when i think of what you were saying i think i think a little bit of like improv off the cuff funny because there's like i don't know some of these not just the bay area comedians just people in general because i feel like lately when i've had comedians on i feel like i'm like talking shit about certain people but it's more just like my broad ideas of uh you can really tell the difference with somebody who's just like naturally funny and somebody who's working at being funny Mm. at least that's my lens of it i don't know if other people see it like that it's like i don't know there's some comedians you could tell where it's like they're fucking monologuing they're being the theater Mm -hmm. kid right now also i want to add i don't know if this veers off a little bit so would you consider yourself like a theater kid i'm like the most i'm like a frat theater kid you're a pretty cool theater kid i will say that that it's another compliment because i i tend to not like theater kids i'll put up with them but i'll never have like a best friend who's a theater kid but with that being said i still respect the shit out of it i respect i feel like acting on stage is harder than acting on a movie because you can't fucking yell cut in front of all these people when you fuck up your lines Mm. and um I did like a little bit of like drama and stuff when I was in school, but it just, uh, it just boggles my mind. And I, oh, I really wanted to kind of dive into the theory of like stand up comedy being a dying art. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think like, like theater acting, stage acting, just, I mean, maybe there's, maybe I'm blind. Maybe there's a market for it for real and like it's a big hit, but it just, I think with stand up comedy and theater people or like stage acting, it, it definitely doesn't get the credit it deserves. I think it's really hard. Well, I'll say I'll separate stand-up comedy with theater acting because theater acting it's it's legit acting. There's some comedians they're just they're they're just themselves, you mm-hmm. know. So it takes away. I don't know, man. I I, I you know me. I'm going through this fucking Crystalia thing, and I'm just all upset about stand-up comedy. So I feel like right now I'm I'm in the mindset of like, man, this is. This is fucking dumb, dude. Oh, that's what I wanted to... I almost said this on stage, but I, I it just slipped my mind. I wanted to talk about... I told you my skydiving joke earlier mm-hmm. about, yeah. like... I was just going to, like, veer off. And I was telling my buddy from Texas about it. He's like, nah, you shouldn't do that. But fuck him. I think I sh- I'll say it on my podcast. I don't care if it gets laughs or not. It's I do kind of feel this way. Um, I feel like... I feel like stand-up comedy or skydiving's gay. Let's just say that skydiving's <laughs> fucking gay. You don't like the last thing I want to do is be thousands of feet in the air and have another fucking man on top of me just <laughs> fucking me with gravity to the fucking floor. And I think the only thing like almost as gay as skydiving is stand-up, dude. Like nothing's gayer than wanting attention. You know, I'd rather take a dick in the ass than want. To, I don't know. I'll always just kind of catch myself doing comedy. Not so much today. I was pretty excited today a little bit, but you did well today. You crushed. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah. Them, 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 them Spanish uh, people liked it. The fucking the the ladies at the table. But um, what was I saying? Fucking uh uh uh, yeah, it's gay, dude. Like sometimes I'll just kind of be doing comedy and I'll just have this like thought of like, look at you, like wanting attention. You know, it's like look at you wanting the the uh, approval of other people because with your ideas and I guess to 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 make it a little bit more fair to myself I just don't want to be a crazy person that's kind of why I got into comedy I always my life not trying to brag or whatever about it my life people have always said I was funny and and it took me the longest time to kind of like realize like do you think like 
my my style of comedy is funny or you think I'm a funny person or are you, are you laughing at me? I've always kind of had this like uh, uh, con- conflict of like, are people laughing with me or at me? Mm. You know, so it's sometimes I, like in high school and stuff, I just felt like somebody calling me funny was an insult. And it took me a while to really realize like, oh, no, I really am funny. But then even when I like considered myself funny or whatever, I um. I, I guess like not doing stand up was kind of a thing in my head to be like, well, if you're so funny, why don't you be a fucking comedian? And so gotcha. I've, I've started this podcast before I really did comedy and I, I've labeled everything I've done online as comedy, whether it's like a YouTube skateboarding video. I almost use comedy as a defense mechanism of like, well, if somebody's going to like say I sucked at skating or something, at least I could say it's comedy. It's supposed to suck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. So. Interesting. Well, there's a couple threads here I want to try to bring back. So first yeah. she asked me about um, if I struggled with improv, which is funny because I actually, when I was acting, I was part of an improv troupe in the city. We were called the Cheeto Blasters. And um, improv, it's funny because it looks like it is off the cuff. And it is in the sense that you don't write stuff down. But there are techniques that you learn in improv classes. Like comedy to me is a very structured science. At the end of the Mm. day, if you really dig into it, there's only like eight types of jokes. Everyone is learning how to... You said eight types of jokes? It's like eight or nine. There's something like eight or nine comedic situations, essentially. Um, I don't want to... I can't name them all right now, so I don't want to like ruin the pod with that. But if you you look it up, um, like the eight comedic situations or something like that, you'll come to find that there's only... Like, you notice every comedian has a I look like joke... Like yeah. they look like self-deprecating. Joke. Is yeah, this one thing of is like this. Yeah, you know, like the 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 use of metaphor, exaggeration. These are um, some of the eight like comedic uh, tools. And I look at stand up more like basketball. Like just because there are set rules and set positions, you can still enjoy how well someone navigates a position. Like some guys really good at three pointers. Some other guys really good at layups. Some other guys are a great passer. Um, when you look at comedy through that kind of lens, I think you get to appreciate it in a different way. Um, and that's, my brain is very built like that. It very much like structures and techniques. And so, um, I didn't start doing stand up until I was 30. Uh, but I had been a performer since, man, since I was probably six or seven. And so I got to come in with a lot of stage experience, a lot of, um, kind of writing experience. And so I'm just really grateful. For me, what's fun about stand-up is it's all, it's it's like a, it's an entrepreneurial dream. <laughs> you write, edit, direct, you do all of it, you know? As an actor, you have to bring yourself to a character. But when you do stand-up, you can kind of write your own character. Because I do feel like everyone on stage is playing a version. Like, even if it's really close to you, that's still, there's a persona that's being yeah, played. Or exaggerated version of yeah, yourself. Yeah, and you're learning how to polish and craft that persona into the most comedic material that you can. Um... But yeah, I would say I don't struggle with improv because I learned like the structure behind improv. Hmm. But I think it's just this when I was in acting school, uh, the guy who kind of ran the whole thing, he used to talk about being a generative actor, which was just somebody who was able to constantly create new choices. When it comes to like film acting, because you get, like you said, the ability to cut and like try over and stuff. um, A lot of times your job is to just experiment and let the director tell you what to keep and what to let go. Mm-hmm. Which can be really hard because you may really like a certain choice in acting. They call them choices. Like if if I have the line that says okay, I can either say okay or okay, 
Like, I can say a lot with how I'm saying something, not just yeah. the words on there. And those are called acting choices. And you may be really locked in. You might read the scene and be like, oh, I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z here for sure. You go in there, you do that. Dirch goes, actually, I want you to do Z, Y, and A. Mm. And you're like, oh. And, and, like, that can trip up, like, younger actors. You're like, oh, but I'm pretty sure it's X, Y, and Z. You look at, like, Brad Pitt, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, like, uh, Meryl Streep. Like, these are people who just go, like, okay. And they can give you Z, Y, and A. Without even trying. Yeah, just yeah. their ability to adapt and change to whatever the director needs. Very versatile. Yeah, yeah. And so what's kind of cool about acting is it opens your... You learn how to be very like accommodating in some way and just go like, hey, my job is to give the director options to make their movie. Mm. But in stand-up, you have to also be the director. You're the performer and the director. So now you got to look back at your own stuff and go like, is this the vision I'm trying to put together? Mm-hmm. Is this what I'm looking for? Um, so I answered one of your questions. There was another <laughs> one there I couldn't, I, I forget. So um, I'm going to pass it back to you. <laughs> no, I'm just listening, man. I just It's just interesting. I, I, uh, I, I, I would always want to be just like a movie actor because it just, cause I'm lazy and, and maybe I care about fucking success. At least back then. Now I don't really think I'd ever want to do it. Um, I guess I, I, I told you this through text, but I'll just say it for like on the record. It's just like, I, I didn't know that you were on, uh, 13 reasons why that's super interesting. I've actually, I've never watched the show. Um, and you were a football player, you're a football player. And I told you, I have an agent, (laughs) right? I have an agent who emails me like daily of like all kinds of, uh, castings and auditions in, in America. Um, and I'm just always looking for like, okay, what's in the Bay area? Like, what can I do? And I think the reason why, how I found this agent was because of 13 reasons why I think this was like a year ago, I guess, apparently they were supposed to be filming a season or something like that. So I was like, I never watched a show, but whatever. Like it was always before comedy. It was a, it was a bucket list of mine to audition for three movies. I just felt like it was a version of like, I need to try for something and uh i guess my question for you like did you want to get into acting or or did your parents kind of put it up on you like how did that go especially at a young age of like six well yeah i want to say if you want to get real deep with it i think what happened was when i was born my my parents had me really young they're about 18 and 20 my dad worked at a grocery store and he worked like 60 to like 80 hours a week to support my mom and i and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and I, she, I just had all of her attention for the first three years of my life. Give siblings? I do. I, so this is where this goes. So okay. by the time I turned three, I had a, my mom had a younger, another son. I had a younger brother. His name's Steve. And um, I went from having all of my mom's attention to only half of her attention. Mm-hmm. And my coping mechanism was I would start to do funny things mm-hmm. or, like, do, like, little skits for her, like, to get her to pay attention to me. Because mm-hmm. my brother came out of the box very moody. <laughs> He'd, like, I was, like, a very happy-go-lucky kid. I was yeah. usually, like, you just kind of leave me alone and I was going to, like, take care of myself. My brother kind of came out the box very clingy to my mom, very, like... Um, and it's funny cause now he's a very independent man, but as a child, he was very much like a quintessential little child. Like everyone like looked after him, took care of him. And so I had to really fight for attention. You're, you're three years older than your brother. Yeah. About three and a half years older. Oh, okay. than my brother. So yeah. do you remember your mom being pregnant? Do you, or do you, does your earliest memory, like, was your brother always there? 
Um, I think I can vaguely remember times before my brother was there because one thing that I also think really kind of informed my psychology was like my mom always kept saying like, this is your little baby. Like when she'd like, she put my hands on her stomach and she'd be like, this is your baby. He's going to be coming and you're going to help me take care of him, which I grew up to become a very like, um, I, it's very hard for me to not worry about everyone else in a situation. Sure. Like as an adult, I had to learn to be like, everyone else is also adults. They can take care of themselves. And I think it starts from that. So I think from that situation, and I have great parents. I don't mean to, like, disparage anything. Just, you know, everything happens when you're little. And as you get older, you learn how to, like, undo these things. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm still trying to learn that. I feel like I hold a lot of resentment with my parents. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I would say I would say my willingness or, you know, enthusiasm to perform started when um, I had to start fighting for my mother's attention. Which the first thing we did was when I'd go to church, I'd always... Um, audition to read from the bible in front of everybody <laughs> and it drove my parents crazy because like they didn't really want to go to church yeah and so i was like oh yeah i said i was gonna read corinthians ah! and, like, dude i like... almost whipped that out today it started getting rowdy and i was like you know what i think that it's time been to whip out corinthians but it got a little quieter yeah i was like fuck it <laughs> uh, but yeah it started there and then like in third grade i remember we had like a uh, little like um play about like um american history and I was the only kid who like memorized all the lines so I could play George Washington. So I was like the lead, and it just it just built up from there. Uh, and I was always cracking jokes. I was always a class clown growing up. Um, but I would say to answer your question, like I I fell into the acting thing because that was more available to children. But like mm. I always wanted to be a stand up, and I tried one time when I was like 23. Um, mean Dave put me up because he was like a friend of a friend, and uh, I I went up in Livermore and I did this like joke about um drake i do it sometimes now i say like people wear sweaters say drake wouldn't treat me like this but if you read his lyrics he sounds like a sociopath and i do this like impression of drake uh and it got like a big laugh i did only about three minutes but that was all i had and so i did that one and i was like man i'm not hear a drake impression i remember you talking about this on one of your podcasts and i i was like i can't really see you doing a drake impression. oh okay so i said um i'll just tell the joke on here it's fine so i said you know i think it's weird that women uh will wear sweaters that say drake wouldn't treat me like this i was like have you ever listened to drake's lyrics he says on some dmx shit i group dm my exes i tell them that they belong to me and that goes on for forever and i feel like we're getting closer when we're not together I say, Drake wouldn't treat you like this. I said, Drake would leave you in his basement and feed you tall teens until you law in a way he said you should. <laughs> and that always gets like a little bit of a laugh because no one's expecting me to like sing that last line. Uh, and it got a big old laugh, but I had nothing after that. Like yeah. I did that and I was like, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun, Mean Dave. And I got off stage and I was like, man, I have nothing. Like, and at this point I hadn't done, I hadn't been an actor yet. I was just really wanting to try this thing. Um, and then about two years later, I... Started doing acting full-time because I got this really cool job where I was actually... Um, I was touring children's theater, and I was getting paid a salary. I was making, like, 63 grand a year with medical benefits. Holy shit. Yeah, so I was like, oh, and, and I'm a very risk-averse um, person. And so that was the only way that I was ever going to get into acting, where I was like, okay, I can pay my bills. Like, I have, you know, insurance. And so that job was usually 3 a.m. to noon because um, children's theater we would perform at like assemblies for schools. So our performances from anywhere between 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then so after uh, noon- Wait, how at, old are you? Oh, you're 23 doing this? Uh, no, this ha- I was 20, 
25, I think, when I finally started So you're acting. 25 doing children's plays. Yeah, yeah. And so I, what kind of plays? Like Cinderella? Like... So there was four different programs we had for different age groups. It was all educational theater. Um, I'll say it on here. I worked for Kaiser Permanente's educational theater program. So it was part I of... I didn't even know they had a fucking... No one knows they do. Yeah, it's part of their community outreach initiatives. Okay. And so it was a small department for Kaiser... And, like, we had four different shows for different um, age groups that had different topics. Our, like, high school show was very close to Euphoria before Euphoria was ever a thing. We had, like, four of the same characters, same type of um, situations. And I played a version of uh, the football player kid who's getting beat up by his dad. Um, but, yeah, I was doing that for about two years. And then um, 13 Reasons Why I was shooting out in Vallejo. I went on as just an extra. And then, like, there was this casting call for a recurring extra as a football player for anybody who knows or has had any football experience. And then that just kind of snowballed into, like, being there pretty regularly on season two and three. And so it was crazy. I didn't think it was going to happen. Like, it happened very fast over the course of, like, six months. I was like, I'm, a, I'm an actor. This is what I do. Um, Kaiser sent me. They gave me a full scholarship to go to ACT, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. And I studied there. And I got to meet actors from all over the world. Like, this girl in my class, her name was, like, Ilaria Rossi. She's, like, an Italian soap opera actor that's, like, kind of famous. So it was crazy, man. That was, like, by that time, it was, like, 2018, 2019. And uh, the pandemic just changed all of that. Right. Yeah. So you're making this money and health benefits working for 13 Reasons Why? Or, like, it's Mostly working for Kaiser. Um, yeah. And then everything I was getting from 13 Reasons Why was just, it was just like day uh, stipends each day. You made like 200 bucks or something. Um, so that was just like, you know, cream on top of the cake, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, uh, my brother and I had gone in on a house together in 2019. And like, I was able to like, you know, support myself through acting. And uh, before anyone knew about COVID, I was like, I guess this is what I'm going to do. I was just going to keep trying to milk that. And in the back of my head, I was like, ah, maybe once I find the time Maybe once the acting, like the film acting slows down, I'll probably start trying to do stand-up. Would you ever get in your head, I feel like this is how I would think if I was in your shoes. I Do you ever kind of like think like really big? Like, oh man, well, I'm in on 13 Reasons Why I've got this thing going on. Like, it's just going to, it's just going up from here. I do. Know? Yeah. I feel like you get subject to inertia where you're like, oh, well, this only stops if I choose that it's going to stop. Like if I just keep giving my, like, it's like, it's like riding the tiger. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like I was on the tiger and I was like, okay, whatever comes my way, I got to say yes. Like, I got to keep, I got to keep this going, uh, which is also why stand-up kept getting pushed further and further back. Because I was like, that might distract from what's going on. Because I don't know, maybe in two, three years I can get a decent spot on a movie and, right. like, get into the union. Because the weird thing about the union, man, the sag after union is, like, you can't just decide to join it. You have to do extra work and get these things called vouchers. And once you get, like, four or five vouchers, then you can actually apply to be in the union. And so it's kind of this weird game you have to play. And so I was working towards my vouchers before the pandemic. I always like had it in my head. You just, you just need that one movie, dude. You just need to get in that one hangover movie or something and you're set. You just make all kinds of money and that's it. I think that one guy, um, I don't know if you watch the hangover, the fucking, the Asian guy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Chang. He's a doctor or something right. like that. And I just think, like, that's how you fucking do it. Like, you, you got to have a regular job or whatever and then and then work your way in. Because I just feel like, like you said, you're, 
risk, uh, what do you call it? Risk inertia? Uh, oh, I said risk averse, but I said, uh, uh, earlier I said like subject to inertia. Like once you oh. feel stuff starting to pick up. Cause yeah, yeah. like for me, it was overnight, dude. Like I auditioned for the educational theater company and I didn't hear back for an entire year. So I was like, oh, I didn't get the job. I was going to go do something else entirely. And then I got this random phone call from the, like the lady who runs it and was like, oh yeah, we really liked your audition. Like we finally have a, like a, year a later? spot for you. Yeah. Fun. Well, because they, they're, they're very specific about diversity casting. And so there was only certain roles that I was even like eligible for. And finally the guy who had that role decided to leave. Mm. But like they were basically had me kind of on their short list of like people they would hire if this happened. I applied for BART. It took them two years to tell me uh, that they didn't need me. Oh, that's tough. And I, I applied, like, right before the uh, pandemic happened, too. But kind of glad. I'm kind of glad uh, it didn't work out because the stand-up's kind of working out for me. And the, the podcast is going well. So I will say, because you've been giving <laughs> me so many compliments, I want to make sure I give you a compliment. If any of your listeners haven't seen you stand-up, my favorite thing, I've said this on my podcast, I love your, like, um, it's funny that you say you get in your head or something like that because I feel like the coolest thing is watching you go up there and kind of like not care and by not care doesn't mean you don't do well yeah but you you have this kind of like fuck it attitude i really don't care if i do well or not yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it it almost brings everybody in it's like in high school that guy who was like too cool for everybody so all the girls kept chasing him around mm. like the more That's indifferent he acted <laughs> yeah. like the more they liked him it and took, like, it took me a while to get some words out i was like i'm about to do 10 minutes of silence bro this is yeah <laughs> yeah you didn't even say anything for like the first like 45 seconds yeah i was trying to wait for everybody to look at why is it so quiet yeah <laughs> i was like i better say something before i'm just standing here dude. but even to take that risk yeah. like on our show on our show you 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 lit up the cigar that uh, i feel yeah, like yeah. and that was like another good 20 30 seconds that was so hilarious because it's it's like when someone commits to a bit past its point where yeah. you're like it gets awkward funny and it's yeah. it's really good way to start it epi- like or start a set because you always hit us with that good evening yeah right? yeah yeah <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. You know it. the thing behind Good Evening? Um, for me, I, but like I, the way how you are, are, are a fan of it, it's different. Because in my head, when I came up with Good Evening, I always just thought like, if you, if you just looked at me, you wouldn't know what my voice sounded like. Uh-huh. So I always felt like a big like mystery with, with me coming up on stage, especially if you've never seen me before, is like, what does he sound like? Because there has been one time where I tried to just go... Hey, how we doing? Like in a Chinese ass accent. And then just like be like, yeah, I don't sound like that. Just kidding. And it worked, whatever. But I always just want people to anticipate like that. What does he sound like? And then when you hear good evening in my deepest voice ever, it's like, oh, fuck. Like it's kind of a, I wasn't expecting that kind of a thing. Interesting. Um, I just realized I could pull back another one of the threads from earlier in the conversation. So you were talking about stand up being a dying art form. And I thought about live theater in general. Um, since the creation of like talky movies um, has become a niche art. And I think stand-up for a while survived that change in the, in the paradigm, but it's coming to an end. Like TikTok, I think is changing so many things. It's like musicians now are just trying to make songs that have a viral sound to them. And so now you see all like, there's almost an oversaturation of stand-ups that you can watch because anybody can get a good like set at the at the comedy cellar if they live in new york and get these clips and then look like they're way further than they are Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that anyone's getting like stuff they shouldn't get you ever check out brian holtzman like i said i'm probably gonna watch it tonight i've just been so busy i'm sure it's amazing it's i mean 
just the biggest fan, dude. Like, like such a big inspiration to me too. Cause it's like, he's old. He's like our, how old's your dad? I don't know. My dad's, uh, my dad's pretty young. He's 50. Okay. My dad's 60 in his sixties. Um, and I think this guy's in his sixties and it's just like, he's been doing comedy since the eighties and he's never really like got his big break. But he's like a comic's favorite comic. All the comics know him. So when he comes up, everybody's like, what the fuck is this guy going to say? And it's just like, it's amazing. I mean, I mean, I feel like a part of me when I first found out about him was like, why hasn't this guy fucking like picked up? Why doesn't he have like Netflix specials or whatever? Yeah. But then it's just kind of turned into fuck all that, dude. I'm a fan. Like it doesn't matter. Right. And that's kind of like his style. And I guess that kind of goes into me not caring. I'll say this to I'll say this, though. I do get in my head um, just, like, outside of stand-up. You know what I mean? Kind of like mm. today, how I'm over here. I'm going to quit. You know? Right, like, I just. Right. But when it comes to here, or, like, actually, like, showing when I get to the comedy club or whatever to do, or open mic, it all kind of goes away. Most of the time. There are some nights where I'm really nervous. It's really weird. I, I'm still trying to figure it out, and I'm trying to, like, figure it out on this show or just like document the the uh, process of it but um it's weird there's some nights where i'm like super nervous and i can't understand it and i try to break it down things of like diet like did i have caffeine today did i smoke weed whatever like mm. uh, or i don't know like the brentwood show i was super relaxed i had i literally had it in my head like i might not even go up tonight i'm just here to like support you guys really and, um, oh yeah. And then when you put me up, I was like, okay, seven minutes or whatever. I think I'm at the point. I don't know if I'm tooting my own horn now, but I'm at the point where it's like anything less than 10 minutes. I'm like, I got it. I got it. Or yeah. I have, I, I could, even if it's shitty, I can at least like autopilot my jokes. Cause I know my jokes that I think are like bangers and it's like, well, if they don't like it, then it's not my crowd, but I could just like zip through it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you crushed it at our show, though. Like, one of my favorite acts of the night. I'm sad that it might not be a thing anymore because I was about to be um, arrogant and ask for a headlining spot (laughs) and do uh, 45 minutes. (laughs) One day, I am just going to give you 45 minutes. I just want to see what happens in those twilight minutes, just what you come up with. I want to do 45 minutes, too. Shit, that's sometimes why I want to bring back Monica's because I felt like it just, it would give me the freedom. Um there was this club that I, and I kind of wanted to go into my worst bomb ever because okay. I have a Drake joke in there. <laughs> okay. And my worst bomb ever is uh, with a Drake joke. And there was this place, I I talk about him a lot, a little bit, it, um, Do Too Much. I don't know if you heard of it. It was in Oakland. Um, one of the greatest open mics ever, probably better than Good Time. And I talk a, very highly of Good Time, uh-huh. but I think before Good Time, this place was the, always a big crowd. Most of, well, nah, the beginning, not as much, but always a big crowd. And business-wise, they charge the civilian $20 a ticket. Can you believe that? Wow. $20 a ticket. You only get in free if you're a comic. And the open mic only really had about 10 slots. Oh, okay. And it wasn't on bacon. It wasn't nothing. You had to show up in person and sign up. And I had heard of this place because of another buddy. And... um it kind of goes into like the big divide with um, with the Bay Area comedy community, I guess. And they were trying to bring things together a little bit, and I felt like, I mean, they had fucking me there, dude. It was a it was a dominantly black room. It was a pretty hard 
they got rowdy. Mm. But I think it was good for me because how do I explain it? To me, it was like if I could kill there, I could kill anywhere in a way. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And it wasn't. But the thing that made me like it or felt like I kind of had a place there is because I was so different. You know, like there's. I don't know if this is gonna sound racist, dude, but there's always there's certain comics, kind of like the guy who went up before me. Uh-huh. You just kind of like that. You know where they're going, like that type of style of comedy. Of I don't know if it's one of the eight styles you were talking about, but there's some comics that don't really have punchlines. They just sound funny, or they're just telling a funny story. Like, so I was eating pussy the other day, man, and let me tell you, man, like, right, yeah, you ever, you ever eat a bitch pussy and it just <laughs> it, it feel like they ain't they ain't washed that shit in three days? I'm like, man. <laughs> what the hell see it works you're laughing but for me i'm like man yeah i'm laughing because you're just fucking being ridiculous dude like really you wrote that down you fucking thought like yeah i'm gonna go up i'm gonna kill it tonight we're gonna talk about eating pussy uh, and so yeah, yeah i felt like but that was kind of how this place was like that was what most people want they wanted like storytelling off the you know ridiculousness and some people do it well i feel like i'm talking shit but i'm trying i'm just trying not to but for me i'm different that's where good evening actually came from because um, everybody was so, I don't know if ratchet is the right word, but everybody was just so, like, unruly and just, yeah. like, it was crazy. Like, <laughs> I remember I recommended that mic to uh, a newer comic, and I wasn't there that night. And he sent me a long video about, like, bro, I am never coming back here. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Everybody was drunk. Bottles were breaking. People were falling over. I would, I'm never coming back. And I just sent him a video of me laughing like, welcome to the trenches, buddy. This is how it is. Yeah, you want to be a comedian? This is the comedy game. You, if you can't get through this, you can't get through nothing. Damn. And so every, it goes from everybody just hooting and hollering. And I slowly make my way up and stare at everybody and say, good evening, like a substitute teacher. And go. people just fucking lose their shit. But oh, no, the Drake joke. Oh, man. So, I, yeah, I had a horrible night there. Um, I had the, I don't know if I ever told you this. I had the craziest idea, maybe the first six months of doing comedy where I would just do a new five minutes. I would never repeat jokes. I always oh, wow. thought repeating jokes was gay. I'm like, man, that, that makes no sense. And I know I sound homophobic, but, um, <laughs> that's something that I'm actually trying to figure out on this show. I do feel like I've got a little bit of homophobia in me. I don't know if we could. You could figure that out. (laughs) Well, before you go too deep into that, that, I just want to pull this thread back real quick. So I think what's really interesting about what you said when it came to like, uh, to me, when you did that little bit there of that impression of that type of comedian, right? That's like a, to me, that's like a riffer comedian. Sure. Um, I came into this thinking I was going to be... They're riffing with two strings, I'll say that. Yeah, I I went in (laughs) thinking I was going to be able to kind of riff like that. And I think I I have decent crowd work. Um, I've had... I think my best crowd work set was actually at Monica's um, when Tyler's whole family was there. But... I think I've grown into way more of, like, what I would call a Kill Tony-style comic. If you watch Kill Tony, like, very short, like, two, three-line jokes. I found that those were actually... I didn't think when I went into doing stand-up that that was going to be the style that I was going to adopt. And it's funny because, like, you may like one thing, and then your style ends up being something so different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so just with that, I just was like... Yeah, I, I feel you. It's it's weird to watch a comedian do a style that, like, either you can't do or not interested in doing um, or don't even really enjoy, but you watch the crowd just, like, eat it up. Yeah, man. I um, that's what I think that's a big part of comedy if you want to, like, really make it in the business is finding your crowd, mm-hmm. which is why you shouldn't really be too upset when you bump. It's just, okay, so 
Shane Gillis. Yeah. He, uh, he just dropped a new special on Netflix. Really I don't know good. if you've seen it. Yeah, it's actually one of the best ones I've seen all year. And watching this with my girl, and, like, uh, the intro starts and you see the crowd, and the first thing my girl says is, like, look at all of these fat, balding white men. <laughs> and and I was like, that's his crowd, you know? Right. And he's doing these jokes that work for me. You know, I'm, I'm open to it. I, I'm laughing. But then I'm, like, also thinking, like, this would not work in certain crowds. Right. If, if somebody didn't know who, like, if, if Shane Gillis went up to fucking, like, do too much that I was talking about and did five minutes there, there's a chance that he wouldn't do well. Right. You know? And so that's that's the thing. And this whole fucking Chris D'Elia shit. <laughs> I was watching it. I was like, how are people fucking laughing at this? Like, I don't know. I, it, it's just. He does have, like, a cult following that will kind of just yeah. laugh at his existence now. I've just got, I've got secondhand embarrassment because i was part of the cult you know what i mean it's just i really like crystalia yeah yeah it's, it, that's why it's so sad that's why i'm so stuck on it i just i like that he was so silly there wasn't a lot of silly comedians like yeah. his drunk girls bit mm. it's just fun i love this podcast his podcast is good pod- too I, I was there from the very beginning and kind of an inspiration for me to kind of start this one and it's like I, I never missed an episode. It's crazy. I never missed an episode of his podcast. And then eventually I realized, huh, I listen to this every Monday. Maybe I should take a break. The moment I took a break is when everything started happening. Wow. Isn't that weird? That is super weird. I've actually seen him live too. So I'm I'm an idiot. I I feel like, but I try to embrace it. I feel like my, my, my thoughts on comedy and everything is quite different from yours because i feel like you break it down more scientifically Hmm. and i and maybe this is kind of the same but just a different way of saying it i think comedy i think earlier starting this you said comedy is like a science there's a science to it i think i think it's magic because there's some things that make me fucking laugh and i don't understand it yeah you know and of course maybe there's science behind it but that's that shit that like I don't know. I, well, just, that's I, why I go back to the, the analogy of basketball. It's like when I say there's a science to it, I'm like there are like just like there's rules in the game of basketball. There's yeah. certain things you can't do. Uh, like if you showed up with a hockey puck, yeah. you know, it's just not going to make sense. Um, but you can watch two players in the same position play very differently and enjoy their style of play. And that's kind of how I see comedians. They're They're finding ways to bend – and adjust or rearrange these kind of pre-existing formulas. Uh, and that, to me, is what's really interesting and fun to watch. Okay. Because I think at the base of all comedy is just the generation of surprise. Yeah. A setup yeah. and a punchline is I, just... I like to say it, pranking people with your words. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, man, we've, re- we've done about 37 minutes, and I just kind of had this realization. Uh, so I, I really want to switch gears. Okay. You... you uh, you mentioned hockey. Like, you, you fucking you show up to basketball with a hockey puck. Mm-hmm. Did you see recently on the news, did you see that during a live NHL game that this fucking dude, like, ran at another player and jumped and, like, hook-kicked him in the fucking throat? With no. His, uh, yeah, dude, died on national TV. Oh, my fucking God. Fucking crazy. He, like, ran at him. Cause, and I, I always think about this in my head. I was always like, why the fuck? Like, because they're always letting people fight at hockey. Like, it's right. like legal. It's part of the rules. Why the fuck doesn't anybody throw a kick with one of those fucking razors, dude? Like, I just feel like <laughs> it'd be fucking over. Or if somebody did that, maybe they'd stop the... F- I don't know how hockey works. I don't really get it. It seems dumb as fuck. But I'm also a hater. I can't skate. But it's like, <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, 
a part of me was like, oh, look, somebody finally did it. And then another part of me was just like, that's fucked up. Like, dude. That's terrifying. You see blood leaking on the ice instantly. Oh. And, and he died, man. And the reason why I wanted to switch the conversation is because <laughs> I was <laughs> I was watching this review of the fucking Crystalia thing. This guy was, like, streaming it and talking shit. And I wholeheartedly agree with this. And, and I, I, I kind of don't want my podcast to turn into this. I, I love having other comedians on. But I think it's just on me to kind of, like, keep the conversation on some. Because it just seems so fucking generic. Like, so, Jared, what do you think about the writing process? And I think right. to the average, like, person who's listening to this, like, I, I, I kind of think of it. Because I used to listen to Joe Rogan, or I still do, and he'll have a comic on. And one of my least favorite things is when he has a comic on and they're talking about uh, the green room and right. oh, the, fuck, the touring. It's like, bro, nobody can fucking relate to you. Yeah. You might as well be listening to the Kardashians talk about money. And so I don't want to be that guy anymore. I don't want people to just come on here and we just talk shop and fucking ego stroke and talk about comedy. So I'd rather just have a conversation about real life shit with other comedians and maybe something funny will come from there. Because it's yeah. like, I, and I'm trying to sell you too, actually. You know, I don't want somebody to listen to this and be like this fucking Jared guy this actor guy and, there, and there's no substance to it you know so yeah I, I hear you i mean you talk a little bit about your family and stuff but uh i don't know i guess i i think you're smart like i said so a part of me is kind of i just treat it like a therapy session like i'm just gonna kind of open my mind and i want yeah, your man. opinion on things okay so it's like, yeah, yeah shoot so um you were talking about wanting attention because you're your younger brother are you the oldest child i am yeah Okay, I have said this recently last month with another comic who's also kind of smart, but I want to run this by you because they didn't know about it, and I want to know if you know about it. Okay. Um, who told me this? I think it was my dad. It's kind of fucked up that my dad told me this now that I think about it because I'm, I'm the firstborn from my mom. Okay. First and only born from my mom. I have a half-sister, but I never really like grew up with her. Um, and so... My dad would tell me that, like, <laughs> the think of like dogs, right? And they have a they have a litter. Uh huh. I guess the first one out of that litter is usually the runt. Okay. Because the the body the the mom is not like used to having a baby. If that makes sense. Sure. Think of it as like the first fucking iPhone. Yeah. And then the second one comes out and they fix the bugs. Uh huh. So my dad's trying to say that that applies to humans. So okay. it's like. I never had a younger brother or sister, but I always think like, what if I did? And they'd probably be way cooler than me. And growing mm. up, I always make, I always like observe people who have like siblings. Yeah. And I always think like, I think most of the time, yeah, the younger sibling is often cooler and better developed than the than the firstborn. Interesting. So you never heard of this either, huh? No, huh. no, I what do. do you think well, about it is it, funny because I do think most of the younger, if you look at like celebrities, most of, most of them are the younger sibling. Wow. I think most of them, like the Franco brothers, uh, James is the middle child, and then Dave's the youngest. There's an older one. Um, oh, nobody Bill, fucking knows him. Huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, he's, not, <laughs> he's not even a celebrity. Mm. Um, Bill Murray comes from a family of like seven or eight, and he's probably lower in the lineup. He's like five or five or six in the lineup. Mm. Um, so there may be something to that. My brother and I, um, are very different. My brother works, um, in tech. He's really good with computers and is a very, um, analytical guy. I'm definitely the more kind of like 
uh, creative one out of the two of us. Like I and earlier, music. you were just saying you weren't creative too. But I, like, I mean, compared shine. to everyone else in my family, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was the one, at least I was most um, interested in that kind of stuff. Mm. Like my brother is not somebody who wants to get up. And, like he would never do stand up. Like mm. he would have no interest in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I I love my brother. He's he's very smart. I think in a lot of ways he's a lot smarter than me. Um, but we're just so differently built that it's almost like comparing a basketball player to a football player. Mm. It's like, I mean, yeah, 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 you can just judge them on basic athleticism, but right. like you're not looking at the same. God put different set. stats in you guys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that is interesting though. There might be something I could see that like, like a f- just, just the development of the birth canal for the first baby. Like you're, you're the virgin, you're the virgin breaker of that yeah. like membrane. The first. So that's gotta model. be a rough ride. First model. Yeah. Which also I was born by C-section. So I actually, mm. my brother was not, my brother was the, my mom's only natural born child. There's like consequences to to being born by C-section, right? Right. Why were you, why were, were you too big? or was I was it too like, big, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, But were you big. like, okay, but you weren't like premature or nothing, right? No, I was late. I was supposed oh. to be born in August. I was supposed to be born like August 18th. I came out September 4th. Oh, so they, you, you cooked a little longer. Exactly, right? yeah. Not the best juju. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, there's definitely something to that because even like, even physically, like I'm a stockier kind of guy. My brother's built uh, much more lean. Hmm. Um, and, uh, they say when you go through the vaginal canal, you get all these like little like um, bacteria in your mouth, which uh, helps kind of jumpstart your immune system. Mm. And uh, I miss out on that by being removed. Um, you ever born and you miss out on the bacteria? Man, yeah. I was eating so I think... pussy the other day and I was thinking, <laughs> man, we making up for lost time, man. <laughs> That's actually really funny. <laughs> I think, so I think what they do now with C-sections, I believe, even after they pull the child out, they will still will like basically swipe the mom's vagina and like smack the kid in the face with it. Wow. So they get some of that. <laughs> How yeah. recent is this? I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. You know, there's something I just talked about on my podcast. I was telling you or, or about the birth control thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, so yeah. weird. So basically in, in the 2010s, uh, they found out that women who at least had had one child um, had a reduction in ovarian cancer, likelihood of ovarian cancer by something ridiculous, like 60, 70%. And so they thought about, because birth control essentially just simulates pregnancy in the body, um, which is why when women take it, they can't they can't get pregnant because they're kind of tricking their bodies and think they're already pregnant. Yeah, that was actually kind of eye-opening listening to that. Like, I... I didn't really realize that. That it's like the body thinks it's pregnant. That's that's weird. Not good. It's yeah, so weird. Yeah. So well, good. when you think about, yeah, dude, that was when once I read that, that came out of a Malcolm Gladwell book, the guy who made um, the whole Black ten thousand hours. Uh, Black Panther. Yeah, Malcolm X or something. Or... Oh, that's no, no, no. Malcolm Gladwell oh. is this dude. He kind of looks like Napoleon Dynamite a little bit. Um, he made, I think I've heard of the name. He's the guy that everyone says you get the idea of a master is ten thousand hours of something. That's from one of his books. I'm thinking of the fucking um, Tool song. I think Tool has a song called 10,000 Hours. Mm, interesting. Part one and two. Something like that. I haven't listened to enough Tool. Tool's a great band, though. I used to not like them, and they grew on me. And I actually got to see them in uh, Sacramento for a festival. Oh, cool. And uh, I left. I left as Tool was coming because I was like, I don't give a shit about Tool. And it that was the biggest crowd for the whole three-day festival, like... I was walking against traffic. It was like thousands of people coming to see Tool. And I was like, I don't get it. But, um, I, no, I did not leave. I stayed, but I wasn't concerned about being in the front. 
I remember being in the way, way back. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here and vibe. And then I guess it kind of like, as time went on after I saw him, I was into it. Do you know who uh, Mark Maple is? Yeah, I know Mark Maple. Supposed to be on a podcast with him this weekend. We're going to debate corn versus Deftones. Okay, and, interesting. Um, I'm, on, I'm on Team Deftones. Team Deftones. I haven't listened to either of those bands enough to know. I know some corn. I couldn't even name you one what kind Deftones. Of, what kind of rock and roll, what kind of metal do you like? Do you like Dude, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I do. I definitely do. Um, I was in a, like, it was called post-hardcore style band. Like, okay. our influences were uh, Pierce the Veil. Oh, yeah, I love that band. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and like Flyleaf. If you ever listen to Flyleaf. That's a female who sings yeah. it, right? Yeah, yep. my girl likes them. Yeah. Likes. Uh, what's, how's that song? I can't feel you all alone. Right. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Aren't they like Christian or some shit? I think so. I yeah. think, you, but you can't tell because the music's so heavy and they have so yeah. much like stuff going on, modulation on the voice. What about uh, Dance, Gavin Dance. They're good. I like yeah. them. Yep. I like, I like Fall Out Boy. Like, so I, I was a mm. guitar player. I started playing guitar when I was about 15 years old. And then I lived in uh, Pleasanton, California, and, like, everybody played guitar. Mm. So I was like, I'm never, like, you can't start a band with, like, six guitar players. So I picked Slip up a nine. bass guitar. And uh, after that, like, everyone started to fuck with me because they're like, oh, sick, you play bass. I've heard you say this on your podcast. Yeah, before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I got really into playing bass, and uh, that's when I got in. I was in this band called Adversa, and um, we did pretty good. We played, like, a lot of local shows and stuff. We were, like, slotted to, like, open up at... Um, Warp tour one year. What? Yeah, we never what do you got mean to, by slotted. Like, like we were selected out of this lineup because just like battle the bands thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I ended up leaving the band, like because the girl I was with was really concerned about it, like blowing up. And at the time, I really thought we were gonna get married, and so I was like, okay, you like, I stepped away, and um, really good guy, good friend of mine replaced me, and then uh, I think they actually did end up getting to play the show, <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, yeah, I started with a friend of mine, and um, so you, primarily you'd play bass when you, got, yeah, when you guys. Yeah, yeah, I'd help them write. Like I'd still write songs on the guitar and that kind of stuff. But um, in that style of music, honestly, I was pushing my limits as a guitar player. So right. it was good that I was playing bass. Dude, like, that's really cool. I think being in a band is cooler than being a comedian. Like, what's your take on that? Like, is the feelings different? I mean, I know everybody's different, but it's like. For you, I guess, because that's actually something that I really want to do. Like, I, I I would love to be in a metal band that seems so much more fun than doing comedy, and it uh, it seems easier if you get it down. Like, if I knew if like you know as a comedian you probably oh, I got my tight five or I got my tight ten, right. but if like if you were a band and you had like one EP, I swear to when was this? I swear to fucking god, I was just uh. Yeah, dude, today when I was driving, I was um <laughs> I was coming back from Vegas and I had <laughs> I had a a playlist playing and I was like daydreaming about like dude, if I was like a rapper or something, I don't give a fuck if I had any like like what you're talking about TikTok hits or yeah. a hit. As long as I knew my shit and I knew it was good, I'll fucking perform anywhere. If I could have these 10 to 15 songs that were good, that would make me so happy. I don't yeah. know. Um, well, from that perspective, it's great. The half-life of your material is a lot longer than it is in stand-up. Yeah. Because um, I do feel like once someone's heard your joke, like they very, very really want to hear it again. Right. Um, but people might want to hear your song over and over again. Uh, the biggest drawbacks to being in a band is just the volume of people involved to like do the project and the amount of equipment it takes to put That's on true. something. I actually... Now, here, here goes the inner Joe Rogan in me. I fucking had a bit about this, like... 
a year ago, my first, one of my early jokes was about comparing being in a band to being a comedian. And I was like, man, I'm a fucking one man band. Like, I don't care how funny I am. No, no bitch is going to be throwing her fucking bra at me. While I'm out. <laughs> I don't care how funny I am. And I remember I did that joke at good time once. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, Jay Mills, you know Jay Mills? Yeah, I know Jay Mills. Yeah, like after I got off, he like threw his sweater at me. Ah. And it was kind of like, yeah, there you go, man. And uh, I was like, yeah, imagine like people just like sing, like reciting the words to my jokes for me. You know what I mean? Some comedians do get that. Andrew Dice Clay had that. He had people want to hear his bits again. I've uh, never seen any Andrew Dice Clay material. I've ne- I don't even know. I only know like. the get in, your, bring me the bowl, bitch, or something like that. And then, uh, of course, Burt Kreischer's, like, story, The Machine, was, like, kind of mimetic for a while. Oh, God. Yeah. You're a fan of it. Didn't you see him live or something? No, Tyler? Tyler saw him live. Tyler's oh. a friend. I, I am really interested in how he has built his career. Like, I think he's a brilliant business guy. Um, I don't particularly enjoy his comedy too much. But before we drop the band thing, I just want to say I have always felt like being in a band was like being in a relationship with five people you could never fuck. And yeah, that could be really hard. frustrating because you have the same types of fights. Imagine touring, too. Like, yeah. You know what? Scratch being in a band, because I feel like if I were to be in a band, I'd probably change my mind, and I'd be like, I want to be a rapper. So I'd rather be a rap. Being a rapper seems easy. You just fucking, you, you have the laptop, you fucking play the beat. You might even play the fucking whole song, and you'll just lip sync or yeah. whatever. Like, Did you ever see, so did you ever do cool. stuff in the peninsula? Did you ever go to, like, Swinging Door or, like, any of those places? There I've was, heard of them. There was one time that there, I, I was on the same little run. It was like, uh, and I know I know you don't want to keep it too inside baseball, but the, the funny thing was this guy was like a rapper. He just put down his little sound thing and was like freestyle rapping for us. <laughs> and it was so weird and so awkward. And we did three mics together. Like he kept going to the next mic that I was going to. So I had to hear this like three times in one night. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he just ate dicks like three times over. And I had to, See, once that's I had to That's follow the kind him. of shit that'll make me think in my head like, fuck am i doing here, yeah oh know? yeah oh yeah no i definitely had to follow him when i was just like dude you remind me of that kid in recess you know who like clicked the pens to like make a beat yeah you, you know, were like, you at tommy t's and somebody did that yeah i was there when yeah. that guy did that dude somebody at tommy t's actually sang once they just straight up they like they're like play that beat and they started like doing their song that's and crazy i didn't think about it till after i was like i should have gone up and been like how bad does your music have to be that you got to do it at a fucking comedy <laughs> open mic <laughs> Um, no, but we were talking about Creek in the Cave earlier, actually. Oh, yeah, the um, club in Austin. So one of the open mics that I hit, what was it called? It was called, like, the, the Midnight Cypher. Mic. Oh, that's cool, And man. so basically, it's optional, but I did it. You get one minute to rap, and then you get three minutes of comedy. What? And I did that. I have it on my YouTube. I don't know if you know that I really am a rapper. Like, I have, I have music out. Oh, like, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Like, if you go on my YouTube, there's, like, I have, like, I organize it in a, fuck are they called? Playlist. I've yeah. got the comedy playlist. I've got the podcast playlist. And I have my music playlist. Like, uh, you never seen my Asian bass god video? I think I put that up on uh, Instagram before. Okay. Yeah, I'll, have I to, I'll have to look at um, it. So, I did that. I did. I had the guy play the beat. And then I did one minute of a song that I made. How did I make this song? Wow. Time is flying by two years ago 2021 no way no beginning of 2022 like it fucking matters but yeah there was a time like a little bit before i really started hitting comedy like heavy i was like i'm gonna make a mixtape 
And I feel like I have like a lot of music that I could kind of like put together Frankenstein it and call it a mixtape. But uh, yeah, um, the latest thing that I'm working on is just uh, I want to do a UK drill rap kind of parody um, because every time I run it by my friends, they're like, that actually sounds kind of spot on. You should do it. And it's just like, you know what UK drill rap I is. I don't right? actually. I was going to ask you what that meant. Bro, can you Google some UK drill rap real UK quick? UK drill rap? Yeah. Like drill, like a like a electronic yeah, drill? Yeah, yeah. It's like the genre of the UK, and it's like, I was just going to make fun of the UK and be like, there's no gunplay in the UK. All we got is knives. And like, yeah, oh. they, they sound like that. <laughs> they sound like some Mary Poppins ass. Okay, yeah, no, I think I do know what this is. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So, I can just play any song here? I guess so. Let's I mean, see. it's all going to sound the same. It sounds the same to me. <laughs> okay, this is Central C and Dave. After this little ad here, I'm going to let that run. Yeah, I just use like it's a called Sprinter. Of... It's probably going to be fucking trash, dude. I hate UK drill rap, dude. <laughs> That's why I want to do it. Oh, yeah. I have heard something like this. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they play some of this stuff on TikTok. Yeah, not a fan, dude. I'm going to pull up to your flat without a <laughs> with a hammer. Make you flat because there's no guns in the UK. Or some <laughs> shit like that. Just, I have it all written down. I have it all written down. And I'm just like every day I, I'm lazy, just like hitting a mic or something. And I'm yeah. just fucking going to do it. That is but, funny, uh, though. Like, that is... <laughs> That some Drake songs are like that, where you're just like, what the hell is happening? Like, oh, I didn't even tell you about the Drake situation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah please. Um, so th- when this happened, this is where I was like, maybe I shouldn't do a new five minutes every time. Because now when, but maybe it's a bad thing, because I still want to have that I don't care attitude. Yeah. So, like, if I have a joke that bombs or something, it'll, like, kind of make me shell into, like, so, uh, a, a fun, interesting fact about me, I'll, like, go into my material. Uh-huh. Um, but back then, it was just like, no, we're going to ride this bomb. And I took it in stride, you know? Like, I laughed at it and everything. Like, people laughed at me bombing. I guess that's the best way to bomb is, like, at least take it on the chin. Yeah, and, like, killing people on the way yeah. down. The last thing you want to do is get fucking mad and, and like, yell at people because you're bombing. Right. I actually saw that at Four Bells uh, earlier this week. Some guy just started fucking yelling. So I just turned fifty, like, and that's when I turned to you and I was like, "We should, I should, I should do Corinthians, or he should have done Corinthians." Yeah. Because he's like, I kind of learned that, dude. Like, if you're gonna fucking yell and get people's attention, it better be worth it. Because if you're just yelling and everybody's looking at you and then you don't say anything funny, now you just look like an asshole oh, that yeah. wants attention. Um, so I go up there. And, um, trying to think, dude, there's something about Drake. What did I say about Drake? Um, um, damn, it's so, I like blocked it from my memory, huh? Um, (laughs) I don't know if it was exactly like this. All I remember is that I called Drake a pansy. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I just straight up grabbed the mic and was like, I made some kind of Drake joke. And it didn't really work. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, my God. So Drake dropped an album with 21 Savage. And I, like, at the time when this happened. And I was like, yeah, did you guys hear that Drake did an album with, like, Fenty Savage? That's weird. I didn't, I thought that was, like, a clothing brand. Rihanna's fucking thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same reaction that you got, (laughs) that you gave me is what I got up there. (laughs) And then I was like, 
what a what a pansy or something like I was trying to say like as if I was going to say the f word but I like hesitated and said what a, uh, what a pansy yeah. and I was like no I'm just kidding and I pulled back I was like I I love Drake actually I uh I have him as my alarm I wake up every day and I, I sing it I like so tell me what's really going on Jersey back up in this thing and I I'm like singing and I'm just trying to go with it even though it didn't work like like what you're saying earlier and I was like yeah I I wake up at 4.30, I listen to Drake uh, up until around 6, and then I, I work out and listen to it, and it just it just wasn't working. And then I think I said something like, um, yeah, I just saw this new movie called Menace to Society, and some lady started laughing, and I just like looked at her, I was like, yeah, there we go, that's a laugh. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, yeah, sometimes like you just you keep commit to a bit so long that someone just kind of almost pity laughs you out of it. And you're like, all right, they I'll just, take that. They're just laughing at the situation, yeah. which is great. Like, I feel like, you know who's really good at that? William Montgomery. He just did it on the last episode of uh, Kill Tony. They were, like, all dressed up for Halloween. Uh-huh. And he dressed up as the Riddler. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't see that. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's the most recent episode that came out. That's a good out. costume for him. Yeah, and, like, his whole set was like, riddle me this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then after he just kept on going about the penguin is hurt, the penguin and nobody like was like, but he just kept committing to it. It was like the yeah. penguin is hurt. Uh, it's really bad. Don't know what's going on with the penguin, but uh, really worried about it. And like, to, like after like 15 minutes, he's still talking about the penguin. And Tony's like, yeah, usually when something doesn't work, they stop. But <laughs> <laughs> well, Tony's built such, Tony has affected like this, like, the comedy space so much with Kill Tony because yeah. again he keeps in that kind of like we were talking about earlier he is flooding the market with these very quick like witty comics yeah they're all their jokes are two or three lines because the whole premise of Kill Tony is you only get a minute right so these guys try to write and you know hit their like two or three jokes in a minute I mean I'm going to be in Austin in March and I'm trying to go to the show I have stuff you've already heard condensed down into a minute like yeah. four different jokes that I'm like, okay, I'm going to bop, 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 if I get a chance to go up there. And honestly, when I started doing that was how I found that style of just like, oh, it's actually really easy to remember these things. And I can interchange them a lot faster, like Tetris, if I just make them short. Um, but yeah, I think it's so interesting because like you said, the storytelling style was so big for a while. Segura, sure. Kreischer, uh, even Ari Shafir. Like what a, you said about... Um... Kill Tony, you know what else plays a factor? TikTok. Oh, yeah. People just don't have the attention span for stories, you know? Right. The only story, that it seems like the last big story was The Machine. Oh, yeah. Because I remember when I found The Machine, I was like, okay, this is good. I got sucked in. I'll, I'll admit that. But I didn't know who he was until The Machine. And then I, I remembered Burt Kreischer was like a, a guest on Kill Tony once. And I remember, like, if I was there and they called me up and if... Uh, if Bert said something to me, I always remembered, like, I'd want to be like, you should have been signed up, Bert. I want to see the machine in one minute. You know? <laughs> like, just, I, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like, I mean, maybe he's a cool guy, but it, it's too much. It's, he's too much. He's definitely I'm not my not, style. Like, yeah. I, again, he's a guy who I just really admire how he's built his career. Like, clearly, he's one of the highest paid touring comics alive right now, which is really crazy, I think, when you think about the quality of his material. Yeah, I don't know, man. I the, uh, I think the guy was saying who was reviewing Chris D'Elia's fucking thing. He was like, don't ever tell a comedian not to follow their dreams. Because there's a lot of fucking assholes right now that are selling out arenas with right. shit like this. So sometimes 
that's what keeps me going. But then, like, in my head, it's just, like, sometimes I think the best, um, how do I say this, succeeding, for me at least, as a comedian, would be to stop doing it. To stop chasing whatever you're trying to chase. Because I'm doing this all for self-improvement, really. Oh, interesting. You know? It's just kind of like what I was telling you at the beginning of this. We hit an hour, by the way, so... I will wrap this up a little bit. I saw you. I heard you yawn earlier, so it's all good. I, but man, I yeah, I feel like I'm just getting fucking warmed up. I could go into all of my problems, but hey, I mean, I will see you in like two weeks, probably. Yeah, again, yeah, I will. definitely want to have you on. Camacho I'm gonna write so. down. I'm gonna write down my problems. I'm gonna write down my problems so I could really spill them out to you. Sounds good, <laughs> but, man. Um, what was I getting at? Something about like not doing it and self improvement. Um, you said the, the success for you would be to stop doing stand up. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I, I guess I question myself a lot of like, what am I doing this for? You know, like mm-hmm. today I did pretty good. You know, I, I had a, I did 12 minutes. I see it right there. And it's just kind of like, what, how is this going to affect me in the future? You know what I mean? I know I did a pod. I feel like the biggest thing I got out of this was doing a podcast with you. Um, oh, that's real sweet of you to say, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, lo- I, lo- I always put podcasting before comedy. Yeah. So the whole doing comedy thing is really just to like prove to myself. And I guess at this point, I feel like I've already proved it to myself. Like what else do I need? Like just doing an open mic, getting consistent laughs. Like what at this point, everything else just seems selfish or extra. But then at the same time, I think of it in the opposite spectrum of like, it's a selfless thing. Cause I'm trying to, I'm doing a service of the, making these people laugh. Sure, they've heard I poppy. Sure, they've heard or or I've heard it. You know, I'm tired of it. But that's when it turns from like, that's when it turns into like for me, into work. You know what I mean? Like, sure. There's a there's like a fine line between I'm doing this for me, and then there's sometimes I'm doing it for work. Like today, I kind of didn't want to go. I'm not gonna lie. I wanted to smoke weed, jack off, and call it a day. <laughs> but, and that that would make me so much happier. But then there was a part of me is like, dude, Devon hit me up. You know, yeah. it's not going to look good. He hit me up month, like what, a month ago in right. advance. So it's like, it's not a good look for my quote unquote career as a comic. It's like, if I want to get booked again, then you got to be reliable. So if this is like an open mic or something, for sure, I'm out. But I don't know. So I'm just kind of like at a, at a conflict, I guess. So. Well, also we're doing it here in the Bay Area where like, I don't think, I think there's a ceiling here. There's a very obvious ceiling. I could, I could say three or four people I think have peaked here and I don't want to say their names on here cause I don't want to inadvertently offend them, but I can name like four guys. I'm like, you will not get any higher than these guys if you stay here and they're not like so they've, you, so they've you, hit their like plateau. So you look at these four people as an example to yourself. Like you're not of gonna... like, this is as high as you can get if you don't go to LA or Austin oh. or New York. And they're people who we're, we all have had an opportunity to still do shows with, <laughs> yeah. still an opportunity like to meet, like they're still very accessible to us, which I would say you and I are much lower on this like journey than they were. But sure. there's just only so far you can go if you keep doing comedy here in the Bay. Yeah. So hmm. going back to like what you had said on Instagram when we were chatting about it, it's like stand up has to be for you if you're yeah. going to stay here mm. and like fuck around because there's there's just you're not going to get past if there's like i don't know 50 levels of being a comedian in the bay area you only get to level 10 wow huh i don't think you can get higher you know what i kind of disagree 
Really? I kind of disagree because I think in this country, the top five places to do comedy, I think the Bay Area might be number number four at least. I think it's in the top five. Do you follow like Roast Battle and stuff? No, and maybe that's why I have so, this, this opinion. Uh, I'm actually trying to get Josh Means on. I don't know if you know him. I'm familiar, yeah, He's yeah. He's the guy who runs um, Roast Battle and stuff, and he's up there in Sacramento. And um, But they kind of like bind Sacramento with, with the Bay Area. Um, but what I'm getting at is uh, I don't like Roast Battle. Uh, I'll say that. I know I've okay. done it. I'm, I'm one and one for this season. And the only reason why I was kind of doing it, because it seems like a fast track to getting your name out there, but it's a double-edged sword because you could get clowned on and nobody likes you uh-huh. um, or, or whatever. But, like, I see people, they'll, they'll go to, like, Cobbs, they'll go to, like, Punchline, or not, where, where did they do roast battles? I think they used to do some roast battles at Punchline. Cobbs, Alameda, um, drawing a blank. The only one that comes to my mind is Cobbs. So it's like, dude, if you get known in roast battle, then you get, then you could probably perform at Cobbs or uh-huh. something like that. Or maybe you could be like a, what I would love to do is to be a judge or maybe like a host for roast battle. That seems like the closest thing realistically that I could get to being on like a Kill Tony panel. I see. You know, and just sitting there. That just seems so fun because it's not like a set, but you're still in the show for hours. So every time you have something to say, you can say it. Sure. And so, but what they're doing out here, they are sending people who do well in the roast battles here to uh, the mothership in Austin. Oh, okay. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a roast battle like YouTube channel. It's not the most popular thing, which kind of like veers me away from it, but there's a lot of comedians from here that I've seen, they get flown out to the mothership to do the roast battles. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name her name, (laughs) but there's this one lady who I've done comedy with in Stockton and she seemed all right or whatever, but she did a roast battle and it was like the most viewed like roast battle that they've put up recently, like half a million views, maybe even more. Yeah. Tony and Ari pulled up after this lady went up who I'm talking about from the Bay. They recruited her. I guess she did a couple of roast battles. She went to Cobbs and then boom, they sent her to the mothership. I don't know what the fuck happened with this lady, dude, but she got like belligerently drunk or somebody drugged her or something, dude. It was horrible. Like it looked like she's never done. She wasn't making no jokes. She was just like, well, you look like you plunge a toilet with your toes. Like just saying dumb shit. And like everybody in the comments is eating her. Like who, what a horrible representation of the Bay Area. And I kind of, if I get Josh on here, I'd want to be like, so who the fuck set that up? Because um, (laughs) it's not a good look. And like, why out of all the people you send this fucking lady. And it's like, I feel like that's where it gets into more inside baseball. People be fucking people for spots and shit. And it's like, you know, whatever you, what, you know what? And that's what makes me feel like I don't want to like be a, be a DJ, no chill about things or whatever. I just want to, Kind of like what you said, you can only get so far. Level 10, I kind of disagree with. I feel like you could at least get to level 30 out of 50. Um, but Maybe, yeah. The number <laughs> was arbitrary. My point is, like, yeah. there was only... Unless you go to what I would say one of the three big spots, New York, L.A., or Austin, um, I think you plateau out here. Mm. And I think there's some guys that I have met that I think I'm like, I don't think you can get any... Those guys can't even get any bigger until they go somewhere else. I think they've hit their thing. Not, is, that's not to say they aren't hilarious guys. We're, we're 110 in. Tell me the names. Tell me the names. Oh, I'll, I'll I blur, can't. I'll blurt it out. I swear to God, I'll blurt it out. Okay, I think... Um, I want to keep Tony Sparks' name in, but I'll try to like... Oh, yeah, that's uh, fine. Because yeah, I've yeah. been saying it. Everybody keeps talking about this fucking guy. 
And the very first real comic I've had on this podcast mentioned him. And it's, I feel like it's like a writing on the wall kind of thing. Yeah. And he was like, um, I will say this too. I have this opinion because I know a guy who, uh, his name's Lyle Barons. He like now tours pretty regularly down in LA mm-hmm. and he was originally from the Bay. He was like on my podcast long, long time ago. Cause he was like a friend of a friend. And he was the one who kind of really started turning me on to that idea because he was killing it out here. Mm-hmm. But like when he went to LA, that's when he finally was like, he's opening for Sam Obeid. And like, uh, is that guy Indian? Yes. Yeah, I seen him. Yeah, I, um, and he I was messaged the one who's him like, on Instagram not too long ago about podcasting, but I don't. Oh yeah, because I think he's local. Yeah, he put something up, but I don't know if he was trolling on Bacon talking about I'm doing a podcast. I've got about three and a half minutes of material. I don't know. Yeah, um, but I think those are guys who like, if you hang around here and you don't, you know, go anywhere else, like you could be them. But I don't think you can go past that until you go somewhere else. And hmm. I don't know what number on the scale that would be for, you know, anybody. I, mean, I, would, I might have been a little dramatic when I said 10. We could save this for two weeks from now. and We could go more into it. We could talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about on that episode. But it's like, huh. I, when it comes to, like, goals, I guess I just, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. I don't want to. Well, yeah, to, and that's uh, the thing. Yeah. Find out what you want to do. I think, yeah. honestly, when you talk about building, like, growing and building in entertainment, I think what you're doing right now is the most important thing. I think yeah. if, you, if you have a good podcast, and I think you do, Thanks. like, that is, I've been investing way more in my podcast recently after I came to this idea that I was like, yeah, I mean, I could keep building my act. And there's definitely a part of me that wants to build a special. But like, like we were saying earlier, like, I am a theater kid at some degree. I wouldn't want to have just, like, a four videos like, four condensed shots of me doing the same material. Like, I kind of want to get creative with it. Uh, I really like, like, Bo Burnham specials. Like, that he adds it into, Those like, a, like, yeah. I'd want to do something like, uh, in that vein. Which is why, with like, the you... musical ability for it. Yeah, well, you think you've about seen... doing music comedy? Yeah, I have actually some wow. songs that I just still have. I used to perform them back in the day. <laughs> I'm going to follow you with UK drill rap. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you've seen, like, the harmonica bit. Like, I, I let me tell you this on my podcast. I don't like you doing that. I know. Some I people, like, it's very, a lot of some people, people t- like it, don't like it. It's... You know why I don't like it, though? And I, I got to call you out for it. That's fine. Because I said it to you once at Tommy T's, and then I didn't really see you do it as much anymore. So I thought I, like, instilled it in your head. I don't like it. Because it just seems like such a Casey Rocket. Like, he just took it from Casey Rocket. You know what I mean? I see that, but I, I feel like I don't do it in the same way. He did it for one simple bit. I, he, did, he does it all the time. That's part of his act. <laughs> oh, baby, then, well. And I, I guess, but to be fair, to not be so mean to you, I was at a, um, what was I at? At an antique store couple maybe like a week or two before you hopped out the harmonica and i uh-huh. saw a harmonica for sale and i was like i might do this i might uh, do this <laughs> but yeah. casey rocket was in my head and then that's kind of what stopped me i was like nah be yourself um, well what was funny was it came out of nowhere like i found it in my house right it was like i was cleaning out something i was like oh that's funny and i like, would leave it in my pocket and the first time i did it was a good time tavern because i was just too drunk to like remember anything else and i had all these one-liners in my phone yeah, and yeah. so I was like, fuck it, we're just going to, like, do this. And so I would say the one-liner, I'd rip it. And, like, everyone just having a good time with it. It was almost, like, only something that was going to work that night, right? But it went so well that night that I was like, I wonder if I keep trying this, if I can develop this into something. And I fucked around with it for probably, like, two, three weeks. But like that, I got to a point where I was like, honestly, I don't want this to become my thing. Yeah. It was just something I was exploring with and playing with. 
And I think everyone should go through those phases in their material. That it's like, I was doing straight stand-up, and I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm like, I want to do something a little different. Like, Take I might shirt bust, off. Yeah, I might bust out the songs <laughs> later. Like, I might do, I don't know. I want to keep pushing it because, for me, if I was to build a special, it would be more than just me sitting up there telling jokes. Hmm. Yeah. But it's yeah. funny, Jonathan Light was on my was on my uh, podcast. He said the same thing. I caught some of that. I, I saw yeah. like the Instagram version of it. So that's why I know somebody else has said it too. And I was just like, and it's oh, it's but... so funny because it was it was not anything. I mean, I haven't done it in weeks. I, I wasn't that married to it. It was like I I am very interested in exploring things, hmm. and like that was such a fun night that like I was like sexually or <laughs> in any way. Yeah, I mean, you know. But yeah. yeah, the harmonica thing, it was like a phase and I'm like, there would be a part of me that I would like to craft a bit around this harmonica, like a five minute piece that would go into a special. You could probably do it. Yeah. Maybe and so like, that would be something I'd want to explore, then maybe throw one of those songs in there. Cause I do have like some stuff I've done on my guitar. Um, yeah. Like I was super inspired when I was younger by like Bo Burnham specials. Like words, words, words is one of my favorite specials ever. I thought it was I so. I've seen it. It, he's real young. He's like 19. Hmm. Yeah, Bro Burnham's a big inspiration in a way. Like, I, I remember watching him back when fucking computers had backs to him, dude. It was just <laughs> it was crazy. And if anything, the way I was doing the harmonica, I felt was very similar to how he did this thing with chimes. He mm, would do okay. a one-liner and he'd, swing, he'd hit these chimes. Huh. So he'd say, like, really dark shit and then just this, like, really beautiful chime. Like That guy's depressed, too, though, isn't he? Yeah. He, uh, his last special, I don't know if it's a special movie, Inside... You yeah, that? so that was considered a special, but you're right. It's like, that's it's what like, I love about it. It's a special, but it's not like, it's yeah. not anything else you've seen. He has that song, I'm Turning 30. And then right. he's talking about how he's going to kill himself at 40. And I was like, oh, I can't keep my eye out for that. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess that's funny. I'm legitimately concerned. I don't know. Because it's like, I, you know, you and I like these, but I don't know how much you can relate. And I swear to God, I'll wrap it up after this. Keep talking, but... uh I don't know, man. There's some kind of, like, mystery when I feel like I could relate to somebody. And it's just, like, that's my big fear. And that kind of goes into my podcast, Suicide Box. This is also, after comedy, it's mental health. And it's just, like, the last thing I want to do is just, like, not have good mental health. And I feel like a lot of these people in show business and stuff have bad mental health. So that's why I always get in my head about, like, what the fuck am I doing? But then, I don't know. It's It's a fair concern. It's a fair concern. I would say, I would say... Um, just because there are a lot of people who do have issues doesn't mean that, like, I don't believe in, like, the birds of a feather, like, effect with that. I feel pretty, like, I have pretty decent mental health. I don't really stress about too much stuff. Uh, this is fun. This is an outlet. And I just try to keep it there. Um, also, I mean, I'm a pretty, like, I wouldn't say I'm a religious person, but, like, I'm very much, like, kind of like, kind of like you were mentioning there, like, mental health is important. Like, for me, being a good person is way more important than being a good comic and like living yeah, yeah. within my values is way more important yeah. than, than that. And so, um, I try to like, you know, put myself kind of on a really disciplined, like I will do this or that. Like I'll only do X, Y, and Z. I'm not willing to do a, B or C to mm. like move this forward. Mm. And I think that can really protect you. If you put yourself through a thing, like this is my line in the sand, you know, like I love like, like the commitment you have to your like relationship. Thanks. Like that's a, I think it's a beautiful thing that you should always be anchoring yourself. And a to. lot of people don't have that. After listening to your episode about the date apocalypse, too, right. it's a uh, dude. You talk about you want a comedy special. Some people just want somebody to love them. 
You know, oh, and that's yeah. that shit that makes me feel in my life like count your blessings or like don't take shit for granted. And uh, kind of like what you were saying with your band and stuff, it's like I don't want to get lost in the sauce. I, right. I, I, because being true to myself is what got me here in the first place. So I, I just want to keep it that way. And that's why it's super important for me to find an audience and not fucking pander. So I was eating pussy the other day. And who eats right. pussy? You know, so. With that, I'll end it. What did we learn today? We learned that you need to get out of here you, um, or else you're just going to plateau and never – you got to go to L.A. You got to go to <laughs> – Yeah, well, yeah, if, you, um, if that's your goal. And that yeah. may not be your goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. I had a good conversation. I, I got to dissect this when I get home, bro. Always a pleasure but, to talk to you, man. Thanks yeah. again for having me on. Looking forward to seeing you in probably two weeks, man. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a, you got anything you want to say plug before I – Oh yeah, out? please. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, I just um, like I said, you'll you'll be a guest on the show if if uh, anyone wants to listen to more of what I have to say. Um, please listen to Camacho Cast. It's available on all platforms. That's my last name: C A M A C H O C A S T, all one word. I have about like twenty six episodes, um, and yeah, it's I think it's similar in style to like your interview episodes. So you have a producer though. That's what I'm kind of jealous of. Yeah, I've been. It's a kind of an inside joke here that I've been looking for a producer for years. <laughs> I self-produced it for a long time, and then I just kind of swiped him. Yeah, it's a, Noah's a good guy. I want to get it. I want to get a rolling match or a light spar with with uh, the young buck Noah before he's fully developed. Oh, I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, he seems like. Uh, yeah, that's why I want to get on the show too, so we could just talk about that because I've got a lot to say with that kind of shit. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's all I have, man. Thanks again for having me. Fuck yeah, dude. All right.
Attack!